Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, the big news this week is, of course, the poll Labour looking at the landslide victory. Does the size of the victory really matter? Yes, I think it does. Um, I think if there's a relatively narrow Labour victory, um, or if they relied on Liberal Democrats, let's say, to make up the numbers, then that would fundamentally change the nature of a Labour government. Uh, obviously, with the Liberal Democrats, we would see probably a referendum, is my guess, on whether we change from the first-past-the-post electoral system to something a bit more representative, which I've always thought would be the right thing to do. Um, that said, I, look, this rubbish that you read, oh, the Tories are still in with a fighting chance. They're not. They're absolutely not. Uh, there is no confidence. There is no faith. Sunak is just a spinner but without very much substance. The five great pledges he made to the country, none of them I don't think are going to be achieved. Um, I mean, today we're hearing horror stories today about waiting times after you've been diagnosed with cancer to treatment. People, wait, pe people waiting 20 weeks and longer. Uh, NHS waiting list now heading towards 7.5 million. Uh, not a single person gone to Rwanda. Uh, the borrowing figures for April, astonishing, 25 billion um interest debt interest repayment running at nine billion a month um productivity still on the floor uh, mass immigration of uh, cheap unskilled labor the opposite of what brexit was supposed to do uh, houses wholly unaffordable uh, we're building about one hundred and eighty thousand houses a year we need to build nearly half a million a year just to cope with immigration let alone let alone the backlogs so i mean there is no chance that there's not going to be a Labour government. I suspect they will have a big majority. Um, now, economically, it's quite difficult to work them out in a way because... Hold on, Nigel. Um, before we get to their, their policies, I want to ask you, because you, you've, you've given us quite a good list there, and on each of those points, I was thinking, but Labour's not going to do better. Well, this is the argument. So I had a long sit-down with John Redwood this week, Sir John Redwood. I said, John, this is wrong. He said, yeah, absolutely. That's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is terrible. Oh, I couldn't agree more. So, John, you, you know, why should we vote Conservative? Oh, because Labour will, Labour will be worse. Well, I'm really sorry, but I'm bored with that. I've been hearing all my life, vote for us because the other lot will be worse. Now, they might be worse, but they're both be awful. Um, you know, big state socialism under the Conservatives or just a little bit more of it under Labour. And, of course, Labour have announced... You know, a series of policies that are very much to the left of where I thought they would be. You know, I thought they'd actually be quite comfortable doing a Blair and saying we ain't going to change too much, but they're not because they know the country is not particularly happy economically. So it appears that if you poll people and say, should we, should we tax the rich to pieces? They say, yeah, let's do that without, of course, understanding the consequences um, and hence the brain drain which we've talked about before, which has already started, um, may well go into overdrive. So you actually, you know, you actually create the opposite of what you intend. So it is a much more leftwards leaning labor economic policy that is now taking shape, uh, much more state control. Um, and Rachel Reeves, of course, who is their treasury spokesman, the shadow chancellor, uh, you know, now coming up with all sorts of ideas like a government growth fund, which 
she thinks insurance companies are voluntarily going to chuck 5% of their money into. I mean, you know, if ever you didn't want to have a stock picker, it'd be a Labour government. Uh, the North Sea, there's been a big row over that because the GMB union will say, whoa, hang on a second. You keep talking about green jobs. We're not seeing many of them. Um, what about the people? Who are? I mean, some people think that in Scotland, up to 200,000 people, directly and indirectly, are employed by the North Sea oil and gas industry. I mean, it is big stuff. No future expiration. Oh, but it's okay. The wells can stay open to 2050. Because we all know that's baloney because wells run dry and you know, fresh investment is needed constantly to keep an oil fill going. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is. I, I think for anybody that believes in free markets, anyone that thinks that government borrowing is just massively out of control, um, frankly, the prospect of either of them isn't terribly good. Uh, but yes, Labour now looking, you know, non-DOM status will go. Uh, I can see top rate tax being back to 50, uh, maybe even more. Uh, I think the attack on small company directors, dividends, etc., will continue. Um, yeah, pretty bleak. You've mentioned two of the policies I was going to ask you about. The, the third one is not a policy necessarily. In fact, it's, it's specifically not a policy, apparently. But there is an article uh, from another poll actually suggesting that uh, a huge amount of small business owners are considering selling out and trying to escape before the Labor government comes in. Um, I'm, I'm sure this is exactly up your street. So I wanted to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, it's happening already. I mean, it's happening already under a conservative government. People are jacking it in. They're moving. I mean, a lot of the smaller business types are going to Lisbon. Lisbon's become a real hub now for people, particularly small tech businesses. They don't need to be in London or Manchester more than two or three days a week. And frankly, no other bugger is anyway. I mean, you go, I drive up from here in Kent on a Monday into London, but I don't see anybody. Um, so they can manage all of that. And, 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 and yes, um, there is a, a feeling amongst small businesses that nobody is on their side. And I think Labour will penalise them even more. So, look, business closures, brain drain, wasted opportunity. And yet, despite all of that, UK service industry is doing remarkably well. Export figures are quite good. I mean, despite how awful government is, not everything collapses because people still need to eat. Um, it's just the frustration that we've not maximised the opportunities of Brexit in any way at all. We've got Rishi Sunak, as I speak out in Washington, D.C., not even talking about a trade deal with Biden, not even on the agenda for the meetings. So, and, you know, let's not pretend things in Europe are any better because, because they're not. For me, it's just a frustration that we're going in this big state anti-entrepreneur direction. You warned about this in a flea story letter in December, actually. So my question to you now is, what sort of timeframes are we talking about here? Obviously, some of this is playing out in anticipation of a Labour government because of yeah. the poll advantage that they have. But, but what are the timings? Well, you know, I mean, a lot of talk that the Conservatives would go for a general election next May, that is for the birds. It ain't going to happen. Next October is the absolute favourite but it could even run into December. Government's in trouble. Always run it, uh, run it, run it, run it to the wire in the sort of Mr. Micawber hope that something might turn up. Um, so, yeah, I think next October is is where my money would be. Um, but I think, I think we're heading towards a period where unless Labour do something really stupid, you know, we will be, we'll, we'll, we'll be staring down the tracks of the inevitability of a Labour government. And as I say, they're now starting... Uh, to put before us 
some of their proposals. One or two, I don't think they'll do. I mean, you know, 20% VAT on school fees. I don't think they'll do that. That's just sort of a bit of red meat to say to the left, shut up, let's present a united front. So there's a little bit of that going on. So maybe they won't be quite as bad as we think, but they certainly, if you believe in entrepreneurship, won't be good. One of the things I'm always tempted to ask at this moment when you know governments are on their way out is the poison chalice question. Is this a poison chalice that the Conservatives are passing on to Labour because of this, you know, the interest on the government debts ballooning, we've got these immigration, all those issues that you listed at the beginning of this video, that they're, you know, if you don't do anything about them, they're going to get worse and they're already very bad. So it seems to me that this is very much a good example of a poison chalice. Yeah, I mean, there is no way between now and next October that we're not still going to be borrowing money. There is no way between now and next October we'll have turned around the productivity catastrophe. Uh, there is no way between now and October uh, that there will not still be four and a bit million people unemployed, being paid, and not even having to look for work. Um, I don't see any of that changing between now and then. So they're going to inherit, they're going to inherit a country that is unhappy, a country that for the first time since 1978 sees a brain drain, doctors going to Australia, etc. Um, and it's going to be a damn difficult job for them. It's going to be a really damn difficult job. And it doesn't seem they're very intent on inspiring anyone. It doesn't seem to me that they're very positive. I mean, taking money in order to invest in a growth fund, it has a bad ring to it. It's all sort of doing more of the same bad things. Yeah, I mean, really, fundamentally, their policies are not different to the Conservatives. The Conservatives have pushed the tax burden up to the highest level since... Uh, 1951, uh, when the Conservatives came to power, the accumulated national debt was about 700 billion. And that included the huge amounts we'd borrowed for the bank bailouts during the 08-09 period. Well, it's now 2.5 trillion. You know, the share, the share of GDP that is government expenditure was 39.5% before the pandemic. It went to 53%. It's now at about 47 you know, I mean, all these things have happened under conservatives. Uh, there are no real fundamental differences, and that's the honest truth of it. Well, I'm sure they're actually quite a bit more entertaining than the current lot, which is really saying something, but at least we've got something to look forward to. Nigel, thanks for joining us, and everyone at home, thanks for watching.